So under that circumstance, right, the 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 muscle, right, in question is oriented to produce force in IR, and we're asking them to try to produce force in ER. Good morning, happy Thursday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. Morning, Bill. Hey. Uh, I've always got a bunch of questions, but I'll pick one that might be of some general interest. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a complaint that I've got because I work with a lot of um, I, I get a lot of my clients that go and see sort of more conventional practitioners. So I'm faced with the uh, stretch and strengthen crowd discussion on a pretty regular basis. Um, and just to give you an example, I've got a, I, I have a, a wide ISA at the moment and he's got a, a significant anterior orientation. Older guy's probably what, well, when I say older, he's about my age, he's around 50. So he's, um, but he's still, you know, he'll, he'll, he can pull 500 pounds off the grip. He, he, he could, sorry, he, he could pull 500 grand, 500 pounds off the off the ground pretty much any day of the week, and uh, and he goes to the he goes to the uh, uh, exercise physiologist or uh, physiotherapist, and they tell him he's got weak hamstrings because he's got an anterior orientation, uh-huh. and so I'm just like. I'm not a rocket scientist when it comes to this stuff, but I'm looking and thinking, you know, there's got to be some uh, something that they've based this off. Like, the, I never went to PT school like you guys did. So where does this come from? Like, where does the notion, where are the studies? Like, there's got to be, you know, you look at EMG studies on... Yeah. On standing posture, and you get hamstring activity is like almost nothing. So, like, it's very small. So, where is this? You know, where does this come from? The notion that I hamstring, I can pull two hundred kilos off the floor, but I can't straighten my pelvis because my hamstring's too weak. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, question. All right. If I have an anterior orientation of the pelvis. Okay. Yeah. All right. You understand that the musculature above the trochanter is reorienting into an IR position. Okay. Yes. That? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in, in, in the physio world, right. If you are going to test a muscle and then we're going to call it, we're going to say it's glute medius. Okay. All right. And so they're going to use a straight plane representation in their head. And they're going to go hip abduction. Okay. Is what the glute medius does for the hip, right? Cause they're, they're going to use an old school dead guy, straight plane representation of what a muscle can do. Okay. Now mm-hmm. here's what we know, cause we talk about this stuff. We know that if you move the, the extremity away from midline in the late representation, you're producing a late ER position of the hip. Fair? Okay. So under that circumstance, right, the, the, the muscle, right, in question is oriented to produce force in IR, and we're asking them to try to produce force in ER. 
okay? And so when they push down on the leg, the leg collapses and they go, look, you have a weak, bleh, right? Weak glute med under the circumstance, okay? Yeah. Um, which, and it's it's okay to, to look at the, the representation of the test itself. It's the interpretation of the test that's wrong. It's not that the muscle is weak. It's in a position where it's actually not able to produce force in the direction that you're testing because of the orientation of the pelvis, right? So, but but they're looking at structural structural reductionist representations of all this stuff. So they're saying that muscles are separate entities that behave separately. That I could have a muscle that does this and does this when the reality is everything's working together, right? Everything's associated with the positional representation, right? So they'll say, oh, you have an unstable hip, you have uh, pelvic instability, you have weak this, you have a weak hamstring, right? And so the essentially all you have is, is you have a muscle that is that is incapable of producing force in a position. If I anteriorly orient the pelvis to a sufficient degree, it is very difficult um, to put all of the hamstrings in a position where it can produce force, where they can produce force, right? And that's kind of what they're going for, right? So they're going to, that's where it, it derives itself from, from my perspective is that they've done a bunch of muscle, manual muscle tests in the past, like Florence Kendall's approach of manual muscle testing was prolific forever because it was like one of the first books where, you know, they, they, they tried to make sense of this, right? And they graded muscle activity on a five point scale. And they say, oh, five, it's like, that's really, really strong or, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that's where it comes from is the isolated representations of muscles in certain positions, right? One of the other things that they're doing uh, Matt, is they're they're also they're they're testing in these ER, like these weaker positions, at, in many cases, based on the body position, and so it's very difficult to produce force in those positions anyway. Um, you know, like like a prone. Even if you even if you went with that strike claim sort of mentality, surely the notion that if you're going to um, test a, a, a hamstring in this case for its ability to reorient a pelvis or to, 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 to uh -huh. uh, pull the ileums down. Right. You would, you would think that um, they would have to have some sort of measure to determine how strong that needed to be. And the second question that went along with that is if, if they don't have a measure or some sort of baseline indication to go, all right, well, this is determined to be weak in that specific position, then how are they establishing that it's weak? Like, you, it doesn't make See, any sense. Well, okay, thank you. Um, you're asking the very good questions here, right? That they refuse to, they, they, they can't answer it because they don't really have a great, a great response to that. On a raft, on a on a lake that just has like this kind of like gentle rhythm thing going, yeah, that's why that stuff is so soothing because it just sort of restores this this really relaxed kind of rhythmic passage of energy through your body. It's it's like crazy. It, it sounds like really technical and 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 it it's like the simplest thing on the planet. Okay, so you got them in supine, and you trap you you just trap an arm sort of like in this like a what is it PNF D two flexion, right? Um, you, you trap them there and you take your other hand 
and you put it below their chest so it's on the lower rib cage. So like think rib, ribs seven, eight, nine, ten. And you just start rocking them, right? And so what you're doing is you're just doing this in, internally. You're just creating these waveforms, right? And then you and like you and you play with the rhythm, right? And then what what happens is you if if you get it right. Right. And you can feel it. You can feel them tense up or you can feel them like, go. So, you, so, you know, like increase, decrease kind of thing, but literally, so you, they're just rolling from, they're just rolling from side to side, basically, but you're controlling the, this pulsation of rhythm. Right. It's like, uh, it's like manually induced lazy rolling in supine basically is what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Works great. Like it's under, stuff like that's underappreciated because everybody wants to uh, uh, effort, pull, stretch, lift please you know and it's just like no nah, just chill you know so it's like uh uh the the, the harmonic technique you ever been in uh on, on a floaty like on a, on a on a raft on a on a lake that just has like this kind of like gentle rhythm thing going yeah that's why that stuff is so soothing because it just sort of restores this this really relaxed kind of rhythmic passage of energy through your body it's kind of cool so Having said that, uh, would it be wise to, to restrict the rib flare in the other side? For example, like if, if, if the rectal strategy is on the right, very strong, uh, restricting the, the, the lower ribs in the left, not allowing them to flare, would this help to, to, to open to... Well, you so when you're when you're doing that activity, typically you are you are creating the compressive strategy on the other side. So you're correct, yes, yeah, because you and you're you're inducing a, a part of a turn, right? And so so it would have to turn and open on the other side. It's kind of like you were talking about, like when if it's late on the right, is it early on the left? Kind of a thing. That's what you're trying to create. I agree. We're always trying to restore the ability to turn on the helical axis. So if you're holding their like left arm up, you'd be compressing on like the right ribs. Uh, doing what? It depends on what you're doing. But doing the so stuff you're doing, like the the harmonic method, trying to get that pulsation. So so think 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 about the recoil. Yeah. So it's hard for me to get on the other side of the body if I'm holding the arm where we're talking right. so if i'm holding arm, I'm on this side i gotta be able to, i have to push over here right right yeah okay so i'm pushing you away from the arm and then you're gonna you're gonna recoil back towards it i see i see, see it okay yeah that's but see that's why the that's why it, that's why you got to sort of find the rhythm that's comfortable mm -hmm. for them because it's the recoil that's going to create the expanded representation on your side because remember you can only create the compressive strategy you see it yeah so, so yeah. you kick, you kick a wave away from you, and the wave kicks back. Pincha. Okay. Yeah. Um, you ever seen? Uh, okay. Uh, Cameron, Olympic swimmers, like like in, yeah. in the Olympics. Okay, so yeah. they get up on the box and they're like doing this, like yeah. they're shaking and they're trying to swing their arms. So you know what they're trying to do? Why do they do that? Because they're nervous. No, it's trying to get like the right, the right tension set. 
Right. So they're trying, they're literally self-inducing these, these vibrations mm -hmm. to create an optimization of muscle activity that they feel is optimal for performance because they've, they've done this a bunch of times, right? And so they're, they're literally tuning themselves as they're standing there because they know if they relax too much, too mushy. If they're too tense, can't swim. And so they're constantly trying to feel like they use the vibration for sensation to feel how much muscle activity and what position they can get into. Yeah. But they do it. I mean, they're probably thinking about it to do that, but that's what they do. Yeah. Did he sound like the golf waggle? Like when they go to, like when golfers uh, go and put their club down and then they do the, like sort of wiggle the, their hands back and forth. It, it, it is it is a similar effect and but part of the waggle is 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 the pressurization they're trying to optimize the pressurization before they take the club back what does the club head do when you wag what does the club head do when you waggle camera I mean it's gonna move it goes it goes side uh Stuart Stuart get on get on get on get on yeah. are, are you a golfer or you work with golfers probably right at Pepperdine yeah, I work with golfers. Okay, so so when they waggle, right? They do the want want up down, what want up down, uh uh up down. So what are they doing? So what they're doing is they're they're swaying their guts back and forth and then unweighting them, swaying them back and forth, unweighting them, swaying it back and forth, unweighting them. So they so again so they can feel where everything's going to go when they when they take the club away. He's got to learn strategy to produce a lot of force down into the ground so he can lift the weight off the ground. Right, so he's trying to get as much IR downforce as he possibly can, which requires that you anteriorly orient the pelvis to do so. And so they're they're using they're going to try to use standardized positions. Like I said, if you're going to test a hamstring, you put somebody in prone, you bend their knee, and you push against it, right? And you go strong, weak, right? And then they're going to make a comparative measure. So they're going to do a pre-measure, they're going to do an intervention, they're going to do a post-measure. And, and in many cases, they'll get the favorable response that they want because number one, they can't reproduce it. Even if you got one of those little dynamometers on your hand to tell you how much pressure you use and you're still not going to be able to reproduce it. The person's not in the same position that they were before. Maybe you accidentally did something that's favorable and you actually created the position that you needed to in the pelvis to create the higher pressure strategy. So you can produce more force. But but you're right. It's like it's like it is exceptionally difficult. It's exceptionally difficult to um, determine whether you have the optimal position or not. But this is why this is why you know when we talk about table tests and chessboard measures and then representations of what that would translate to dynamically. That's why that becomes so important for somebody like you. It's like because you're going to use you're going to use step ups, split squats, squats, and things like that to determine position, right? You understand, like you recognize where the ERs and IRs are supposed to show up during those activities, right? And then yeah. to what degree, right? You determine what is acceptable, optimal under the under the context, right? So, so there's no magic set of tests that um, there's no magic studies that that I, I haven't found somewhere on the internet that that uh, demonstrate the, you know, some sort of baseline recommendation for hamstring strength relative to quad strength that is supposed to keep a maintain a, a level pelvis, say, for instance. Oh, not, not, not in that case. You'll, you'll find it in regards to a knee. Okay. Yeah. 
you'll find stuff you'll find stuff in like like and i don't remember what the ratios are now they usually give you like a ratio it's like one to 1.25 or something like that for knee does anybody know what those stats are anymore i haven't looked at them in decades um but but they'll talk about that for the knee i don't know that you have the, the same relationship for the for the hip keep in mind matt that they're looking at these things in straight planes and so so yeah you're gonna yeah. you're gonna hear you're gonna hear pelvic orientation described as a force couple, which is inaccurate um, to be kind. But you'll see it described like that because they're looking at it in a in a like a sag traditional sagittal plane kind of a representation, which is where some of this hamstring stuff comes from as well, right? But again, you don't have a great measure now. There is there is literature, okay, that will use. They, like they'll use x-rays and some positional stuff to give you an idea of what the 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 pelvic inclination angle is so that's the relationship of the of the sacrum relative to the spine okay um, there is a pelvic tilt measurement that that will also be used and then they will have like established norms under those circumstances but it's not helpful clinically because i can't x-ray everybody in every position that they would be in and determine whether they fall within some average range. So now you're back now, to square. Would, would that that would differ in your in 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 your model in respect to narrows and wides? That would that would differ, uh, differ yeah. significantly. Oh, there's, there, de oh, there's definitely yeah. there's definitely differences. That, like and again, public public inclination, uh, that, like it clinic like not clinically, but uh, from the research standpoint, when you look at the public inclination. Um, those are those that's that is a representation of the the degree of orientation that we're talking about right that mm. like it is measurable but again it's not it's not reasonable to use that clinically right oh. like yeah. okay. it informs us of things right that that helps us determine like what we're actually looking at clinically but the the degree of which is almost impossible to tell but there is a little way to kind of like there's some detective work that you can do in regards to the way that the sacral shape changes, um, especially yeah. on like some of your really compressed neuros. Like you'll, you'll get an idea of the degree of of, of uh, pelvic incidence. Uh, um, the, the greater the incidence, the more bend you have in the sacrum. Like that's just a, a an absolute, as far as we can tell. So, if, if, your, your question. If are, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say because if they were saying that the, the like the, this in this example the practitioners said that you know your your quads are very strong and your hamstrings are weak relative relative to your quads and that's why your uh, your pelvic position is the way that it is yeah. that would intimate that that hamstring would have to have been would have to be out pulled by the quads so the muscle activity must be at its at its maximal effort. For that to our pulls, why wouldn't it just pull a bit harder and level it out? Do, yeah, do you get what I mean? Like, I'm with if you, man. Yeah. Representation, I'm with there you. shouldn't be I'm any, very little activity there. I okay, don't, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I dude, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, 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 we're, we're in the, we're in this, we're in the same, we're in the same group. You know, of, of people that are asking the same question. It's like, why, why would you think that way? again but see you've thought it out you've thought it out logically as to like well this doesn't make sense when i get 
Like, yeah, you can you can say that because you've got what appears to be a certain orientation. You yeah. can say that because of the way that you have tested in like you've taken them out of context and you tested them in in a context that like looks like a representation of weakness. It's just a reduction in force output in that context, right? Like mm -hmm. give the guy give the guy a, a barbell and have him deadlift. It's like he's probably fine. But but here's what I want you to think about. So he's got a learned strategy. Let's talk about why he's doing the way he, he's doing. He's got a learned strategy to produce a lot of force down into the ground so he can lift the weight off the ground, right? So he's trying to get as much IR downforce as he possibly can, which requires that you anteriorly orient the pelvis to do so, right? That's his yeah. strategy. That's why he's doing that. And he's learned over and over and over. It's a very strong representation. Um, to be really, really good at it all the time. He's got to remain close to that position in most circumstances, right? So that's yeah. why you yeah. see that orientation eventually arise. Well, if we were going to ask- To make matters worse, he was a sprinter prior to this. I was literally so, just going to say that. I was literally <laughs> going to say that. I, I was going to say, if, if, if we turn him into a sprinter, we might have a little, we, we would see a, same, a similar orientation. However- yeah. To make him a great deadlifter versus a sprinter, we might have to actually orient him a little bit more than we would want as a sprinter, because of the the uh, the way that he applies the the force into the ground is a, is much briefer, and so we might have a little bit yeah. of an issue there in regards to the ability of the hamstrings to tolerate the forces, right? Yeah. But but yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you on this. This again, they don't have they don't have a great measure. There's not a great clinical measure other than other than um, some of your your table tests, right? So we we know that if I if I don't have late IR, right, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a, a a really strong orientation involved there, right? But it doesn't mean that the muscle itself, like like the 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 capability of the muscle itself, is not weak. It's just in a position where it doesn't produce as much force in the context that you're testing it in, right? Mm. Yeah. Again, in a deadlift, he's probably plenty strong, right? Mm -hmm. But don't ask him to do something else that would require a different position. Again, if he needs more late IR, he might not have it, right? Yeah. But that, but that's that's mm -hmm. that's a systemic representation, right? It's not a muscle thing. That's a very reductionist perspective, which is why a lot of which is why a yeah. lot of situations fail, right? I have to get the relative motions back through the through the entire foot. Once you get that rotation back, now you capture foot contact. Now you get a tibia that will actually turn into interrotation and allow the knee to bend. Um, yes, so I still have problems with feet, I guess. Um, with who what? With feet. Feet? Okay, keep talking. Yes. Um, but now like I actually have like a case that I'm kind of lost in. So I have a lady who's like a narrow ISA and she, her, she has a left knee pain. And huh. according to like MRIs, like she has like a little, like a slight degeneration on the medial TBL plateau or like the medial side of the knee. She okay. has a little like a bursitis or some kind of inflammation on the um, patellar tendon on the lateral side and a baker cyst in the medial side of the back of the knee so it's on point so far it's on point yeah it's like everything sounds okay so far it, it, exactly so <laughs> it's great 
And then the yeah. other day, so like we worked on the posterior outlet because that was the first first thing that we did with her, like activity wise. So that kind of got better. And then the next time we started, I wanted to do with her the what did we do first? We solely did um, a basic couch stretch, or like Who? yeah, tried a couch stretch, um, couch just stretch. getting just getting into like a half kneeling position gave her so much stretch on that left uh quads that like after that like she was useless for the rest of the session like even just doing like a hinge her like quads were like shaking like crazy so um and then she has of course a lot of like um she was walking on her tippy toes like for years when she was a kid Nobody told her not to do that until like eight or nine. And then now she has a very flat foot, bunions, like spreading off the, that forefoot, just very, very wide. Um, so I'm trying to get like, you know, both sides of the knee. Like I'm trying to get hip and the foot also. Um, the hip was really, I was kind of thinking that it, because of the femoral rotation, like, or the twist in the femur, that's why we're getting into this like shaky quad thing that the quad is not feeling comfortable working in those ranges or working with those angles, but I'm kind of lost on the feet too. Or like what to do? Like she can barely sense stuff. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so just, I'm just trying to clarify. So you were, you were bending her knee in half kneeling. Am I right? Yes. Like, like so you said she got a really hard stretch on the, on the, on the quad. Well, actually even at like 90 degrees, if her lower leg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I just, okay. Yeah. So why is that? Why does she feel that? Because I think she's so far forward on the left that that's even too much. Okay, hang on. Where did you bend her? At the knee. Okay. And and you said it was already hard for her to do. Mm-hmm. Right? She feels it immediately, like not even yeah. going forward or anything. Okay. Yep. So so hang on. What does that tell you about the knee orientation? knee orientation that it cannot even do 90 degrees. Okay. So you got yeah. a knee, you got a knee orientation that that means that there's no knee joint there anymore. Yeah. So you have such a strong orientation, the knee joint is gone. Okay. Okay. Right? And you go, hey, I know this knee doesn't bend. Let's bend it. So it's the orientation okay. of the knee that's now the limitation. So you have to look at the bony position of the knee. Because what's going to happen is based on the bony position of the knee, you're going to pick up concentric orientation of musculature because all of the energy has to pass through that knee now. It doesn't exist. You have a stick for a leg that used to have a bendy spot in the middle that no longer has a bendy spot. Okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. What is a bunion? And uh, that's a sign for me that, sh- yes. Okay. Is it, is it a first metatarsal phalangeal joint that can bend or one that doesn't? Um, it shouldn't, but it does though. Okay. Passively. So, so here's what you did. So you bent her knee that doesn't bend and she's trying to bend a toe that doesn't bend. Uh-huh. You get the same orientation in the foot as you got through the lower extremity. 
Okay. You follow? You follow? Okay. 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 Now, you got a favorable response when you went posterior lower on the hip, right? Yes. Awesome. Did you do the foot? So that's why I'm stuck. Okay. Where do you got to go? Where do you got to go on the foot to allow the femur, femur to move towards IR? Uh, femur to move towards IR. Yeah, so, so, so you freed up posterior lower. Center of gravity moved back. She got a little bit of expansion on the anterior side of the pelvis and the hip turned in, right? Yes. Okay, so I need a foot that can do that too because what's happening is I got, a, I got this ER foot and then I'm seeing literally the breakdown of a joint that is in, in a position where it shouldn't bend at all and I am twisting the knee. So you got a leg that's trying to go, you got a leg that's trying to be a stick in the ground and you're mm -hmm. making it bend. She's making her foot bend. That's why she's got a bunion. You made her knee bend, which is why she felt that horrible stretch on her quad. Okay. So you got, you got proximal IR in the hip. Okay. That's favorable to promote a measure of change that gives you some freedom of motion at the knee, but you still can't force it because you probably don't have the knee orientation right yet. Okay. Now, if we go to the foot, we got to do the same thing that you did at the hip to the foot. Okay. okay. Where, where, what part of the foot is not moving relative to another part of the foot? Uh, the midfoot to, relative to the calcaneus or? So, so here's where she's trying to move, right? Yes, yes. Okay, but it's not. So she's doing like one of those deals, right? It looks like that. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so that's not a normal motion. That's 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 a, a broken constraint, if you will, right? She's okay. she's messing with the constraint. Okay, but that doesn't change that that doesn't change the orientation. So what needs to be able to move? So you had a femur that was oriented into ER, and then you you got you recaptured um, some space, allowed it to turn inward. Makes sense. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta get that to to, to move, don't I? Okay. You see yep. the you see the you see the similarity. It's like this joint won't move, but it's it's not moving because this isn't changing its shape. You change the shape in the femur, favorable, cool. But I didn't change this. So you got like a hip that should allow the knee to move, but I got a foot that says, nope, not going to let it move. Okay. Okay. So. Hang on. So now I gotta uh -huh. say, where do I need to go? Where do I need to go to get that that first ray to move? You gotta get the first ray to move. So so you went up into the hip and you got a favorable change. Where do you have to go in the foot to get the favorable change? Do you see it? Do you see where it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that's where it's not moving. Okay. So she's twisting a knee, she's twisting a big toe in substitution for the fact that she doesn't have pelvic orientation and hip motion. So she puts the knee in a position that won't bend. She puts the foot in a position that won't bend because she doesn't have the proximal rotations available. You create the proximal rotations, the knee's gonna be able to bend, the toe's gonna be able to bend. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
So she basically made a knee out of her big toe. And that's <laughs> unfortunately, but see, it wasn't a bendy knee. It was a straight yeah. knee that she tried to bend, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, so how, because like the, the problem with this is like, I'm really hard, like having a hard time getting to even feel her, like the inside of the foot, like she can't get like. Can't do it. You got to help her. You, you literally are going to, you're going to, you're going to have to go in there. Okay. Okay. You got to go in there. Right. And you got to help her just like you did at the hip. It's like you laid hands on the hip. Right. Yep. And you, you know where to put your hands, like right away, you knew where to put your hands to get what you wanted. This isn't, this is no different. It looks funny, right? But it's not. Unlock that. Okay. It will turn. It will turn. But there's muscles there. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. You know where muscles are, right? Magic hands. You with the magic hands. Yeah, right? I'm okay with the muscles, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So, okay. so, so, so now you, gotta, you just have to look at this and you say, okay, where is the restriction that is not allowing this to turn like I got the femur to turn. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It'll take some thinking. Okay. Break okay. out your break out your favorite anatomy book. Right. And start looking at the stuff that, that crosses through there. And you go, okay, I got to reduce that muscle orientation. I don't have enough eccentric orientation to allow the normal capture of IR. That's why you can't get the foot contacts is because I don't have IR that's coming through the foot from, from heel to forefoot. I got IR that's dropping dead right on that first metatarsal phalangeal joint. It's going too fast. I got to slow her down. Well, how do you slow her down? I have to get the relative motions back through the through the entire foot. Once you get that rotation back, now you capture a foot contact. Now you get a tibia that will actually turn into internal rotation and allow the knee to bend. But until then, don't try to bend your knee. 